1: Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com.
2: Have you ever wondered, do you ever feel like somebody is ripping you off all the time? Do you ever feel that somehow people are lying to you? Do you ever feel that people are not telling you the truth about your money? Well today we have the show of show for you. If you want to get educated and find out how come the rich are getting richer and the poor and middle class are being charged money for their savings accounts, You're gonna find out why. And as my rich dad said years and years ago, savers are losers. And yet, I still hear parents saying to their kids, oh, you know, save money. And our listeners of the CNBC, Bubble Vision, they were saying, oh good, the Fed didn't raise interest rates, and the stock prices take off higher and higher. And I'm going, are people that stupid that they would chase a high-flying price stock when it's all manipulated so the real issue today is you're going to find out how you and i and your money are manipulated and most importantly what you can do any comments kim
3: well i'm excited about today's show because we've got two incredible experts on a thing called the fed the federal reserve and, you know, years ago, nobody ever knew really what the Fed was. Nobody talked about the Fed. Uh, nobody cared about what it did or, or what impact it makes. And now it seems to be in the headlines every single day. And we're going to find out just what the Fed is. What does it really do? Does it, is it really good for America or is it bad for America? Is it good for you as the individual or is it bad for you as the individual? And these are two people can really tell it like it is.
2: And in that last scandal they had called the banking crash of two thousand eight, the Fed was in the middle of it. Another question is why are so many of our world's leaders, you know, formerly from Goldman Sachs, are now operating central banks throughout the world. So the question is, is there a conspiracy? But more importantly, what is United States Federal Reserve Bank? So as Kim says we have two guests So our first guest today is G. Edward Griffin. He's an author and researcher. He wrote the most fantastic book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, A Second Look at the Federal Reserve, released in 1994.
3: And more applicable today than ever. Ever.
2: (laughs) So when I read that book, I had everybody in my company reading it because, man, you've got to understand how the banking system controls your life. And that's the most important thing. There was a guy named Rothschild years ago, I think 17 or 1800s, and he says, I don't care who makes the rules. I just want to control the nation's money. And that's what the Federal Reserve Bank does. Not just the nations, not just the United States, the world's central banks all orbit around the U.S. Fed. So welcome to the program, Mr. Griffin.
0: Well, thank you, Robert. Thank you very much for your kind introduction.
2: Why did you write that book in the first place, The Creature from Jekyll (laughs) Island?
0: (laughs) That's one of those imponderable questions. I I never intended to write the book. Uh, Well, I could could take an hour explaining the answer to that question, but the short answer is that initially I intended to do a a little low-budget documentary film on the cause of inflation. And I didn't know the cause of inflation, but I figured that's easy to find out. I thought it had something to do with the banking system. I didn't know. So I did a little research, and I discovered this thing called the Federal Reserve. Just as you said, Robert, I mean, most of us had no idea what that uh, what that was, that creature. And I didn't either, but by the time I spent just a little bit of research on it, I thought, wow, this is a really interesting topic. And so I didn't do anything with it for quite a while, put it in the back burner, and then finally pulled it out again and started giving some some speeches on it and first thing you know everybody was jumping up and down saying that's great put it on the road and 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 i decided well i didn't know enough about it still i was giving speeches on it i still didn't know how to answer people's questions when they said well mr griffin at the end of my lecture well what should i do with my money should i should i go into debt or or should i invest it or should i put it into gold or real estate what should i do and i i thought to myself i'm a fraud because i don't know how to answer those questions so I stopped giving those talks, and I went back to school. I, I enrolled in a, a course on financial planning, not not to become <laughs> a financial planner, but just so I could understand the, the real world of the money markets. And uh, then I started a seven-year process that it took me to write the book. So it was a little a bunch of little baby steps along the way. And had I known how long that journey and how crooked the path was, I would never have taken it. So, I don't know why I wrote the book. It's just something I had to do.
3: So, Ed, what is the Fed?
0: The Fed is a banking cartel. It's that simple. It's no different than a banana cartel or an oil cartel. It's a banking cartel.
3: Made up of? of,
0: A group of banks. uh, On the surface, they all appear to be competitors. They have different corporate identities, many of them in different nations even, uh, different parts of the world. And um, they decide to not compete with each other. And so they form cartel agreements with each other to... uh, to reduce competition they fix their interest rates and they regulate themselves and they fix everything up just fine so they control the market to their advantage N- newcomers can't get in and in order for them to make in order for a cartel to really be effective, they have to go into partnership with governments because no nobody can enforce the cartel and the cartel members want to drop out let's say if if, if a oil cartel has uh, fixing prices and, and Mexico, Mexico decides, okay, uh, we don't want to uh, charge these high prices anymore. We need more money. We need a bigger share. we got a lot of oil, so we're going to lower our prices. Well, what are you going to do about it? The only way to really discipline nations or, or regions is, is to take the cartel agreement and pass it into law. Now the governments use the police force and the armies to enforce the cartel agreement, which is why all Cartels, and especially banking cartels, go into partnership with governments to enforce the cartel agreement.
3: So, so we're—I mean, we're under the understanding that what we're told, what we're told, is that the Fed is the purpose of the Fed is to make sure the economy is growing and moving forward, and this and that. And you're saying that's not really the purpose of the Fed.
0: No, that's exactly what I'm saying. uh, What's the purpose of the cartel? Is itself. The, all cartels care of itself. have only one purpose, and that's to advance the uh, position and the strength and the benefit of the members of the cartel, period. That's, no cartel ever has an altruistic uh, purpose, but it's to their benefit to pretend like they do, because that that makes it seem like what they're doing is good. So if they raise interest rates um, and the public asks, uh, well, why did you raise interest rates? It wouldn't sound very well if they said, well, we figure we can... Get away with it, and uh, you know milk the public a little bit more, that wouldn 't go over, so they say well we 're concerned about um, cooling down the economy. we want to control inflation for you folks, you know, they make it sound like they 're so concerned about the economy <laughs> so concerned about the people, and then that 's not even on the table with them, but they do know how to uh, to speak in a certain way to make it seem like they 're really good guys. Struggling so hard, unfortunately failing, but we're trying and we're learning as we go. You know, that's that's the kind of message you get.
2: So let me ask you this question: You know, because you wrote about it in *The Creature from Jekyll Island*, is the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank is it U.S.?
0: Well, yes, it, it really is. I mean, there's a lot of discussion. You know, there's a lot of international uh, threads involved in but all it's not, it's, central banks. It's, it's owned by foreigners. Ours.
2: It's owned by foreigners, isn't it?
0: Well, it's not. It's not a question of. Ownership. Who, who owns a cartel? Right. Go back to that. Cartel is, is a group of, of uh, entities, and they just form it like a trade union. They form a, a well a monopoly, and it's not really owned uh, in the sense of a corporation. The stock in the Federal Reserve system is, is um, supposedly owned by the member banks, but ownership in any other corporation. It involves the right to vote, the right you could sell your shares, you know, you can elect your board of directors and all that sort of thing. None of those things are true with the, with the Federal Reserve. So it's not really ownership, even though they talk about it as though it's ownership.
2: Okay, so when you see a person like Janet Yellen or there was Bernanke and then before, prior to Bernanke was Reinspan, what goes through your head?
0: Well, I, I just think that these are uh, let's see, we're in, we're in mixed company. I had to clean up my language here. Uh, <laughs> Puppets. <laughs> I don't have a lot of respect for people who have sold their soul and and, uh, and mm. sold out the the livelihoods and the welfare of their fellow human beings in order to uh, to become very powerful and wealthy. That's what I think. I think I I don't like those people. And then it, sometimes I feel sorry for them because I figure they they must suffer a lot deep down underneath. But um, uh, I think it's kind of the scum of the earth.
2: Wow. Okay, um, just recently Wells Fargo Bank was in trouble because they were uh, screwing customers as usual. But anyway, the the head guy, the CEO of Wells, uh, they want him to resign as CEO, and he says, no, no, I'll give up my position on the Fed board. What does that mean to you?
0: It, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so what he gives up his position, is this a punishment? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think they make a lot of money by being on the board, but they they probably get some free travel and some perks. But where, where's the punishment? And, yeah, I, I got that pressure some years ago. They wanted me to open up not just one account but two, and then maybe a third one. And, and, and uh, even to this day, when I get my statement from Wells Fargo, I find out that every month they take a little bit of money out of my um, checking account and put it into my savings account. I really didn't want that, but they said, "Well, this is uh, this is what you have to do, and it's good. You can always move it back if you wish." And so I understand all that nonsense, but I think of it as, you know, it's it's a, it's very troublesome. It's annoying, but it's nothing like this this huge fraud that we're talking about, where they just milk the whole economy and create money out of nothing and charge interest on nothing, and now they're going to be giving us what they call negative interest rates. And they won't let take our money out of the banks. we we'll have no, no cash anymore. All of these things are huge, huge crimes.
2: Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Sure, our guest at the present time is G. Edward Griffin. He's author and researcher, author of those fantastic books, The Creature from Jekyll Island, A Second Look at the Federal Reserve, released in 1994. Ed's website is realityzone.com. And our guest today is an old old-time friend, Edward Griffin, author of *The Creature from Jekyll Island*, and our other very
3: special guest is Danielle DiMartino Booth. She's the president at Money Strong, and she is a former senior financial analyst with the Federal Reserve of Dallas. So she has been on the inside of the Fed for many, many years, and she is coming out with a book in February of 2017 called *Fed Up: An Insider's Take on Why the Federal Reserve Is Bad for America*. So Danielle, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Do you think the publishers wanted to be subtle with the subtitle?
4: I don't, I'm thinking I don't no. think
3: so. I don't think so at all. And I, we love the subtitle. And <laughs> I, I, I just got to ask, you were on the inside. From the insider's point of view, what the heck was going on with the Fed? Or what is going on with the Fed?
4: Well, I think what's going on with the Fed, and actually this is, uh, this is the, the, the title of Chapter 1, and it, it's a little term I stole from a hedge fund manager called Group Stink. Um, Alan Blinder who was on the Federal Reserve Board for some time commented a few years ago that when he was on the board back in the day he was in the minority being a PhD economist and he said how much things have changed and that they are now by far the majority and I think that it is it, it is this fallacy that economics can be raised to a science uh, that has led the central bank so far astray.
2: So, you know, people saying that the, uh, the central banks are out of bullets, and that's why we have negative interest rates and all that stuff. And, you know, it's wiping out the little guy. If, if you're a saver and are, if you actually believe in saving money, you're getting crushed right now. And all of the, not only that, but negative interest rates are affecting every pension plan across the world. Like, you know, CalPERS, the biggest government pension plan in the United States, operates on a myth, mythological seven percent increase per year but it's only seven getting seven and a half. Yeah, but it's only getting one what, nine tenths of a percent. So
4: Yep and, and its sister Cal Stirs, got one point two percent. Oh
2: good, good. I'm glad to hear that.
4: <laughs> now, that's the second largest pension in the in the country. Mm-hmm. So
2: so let me ask you this, do you think the people those you know the Ph there are more PhDs economists in the Fed than any other place on earth right now. Do you think they actually care about Mother, mom and pop, the savers, and the guys who are counting on retirement?
4: You know, it, it, there's an interesting uh, hypocrisy, and I don't want to use that word lightly, at the Fed because Janet Yellen purports to be all about bringing the little guy back into the labor force um, to try and raise them up, and yet she's trying to put grandma in an early grave. <laughs> um, well, so, how, I, I, how so? I think how the contradiction so? is rife. I think that what they've done to savers... It's, it's as if they've never had Demographics 101. They don't quite see these 78 million baby boomers who are in very many ways, uh, you know, ha- have been put in a, in a very tight predicament because of the actions that they've taken. And, again, these are unelected officials who have pensions and health care for life.
2: That's so not, that sounds no like concept, the Senate and
4: They have no concept of what they have done. As I say over and over again until I'm blue in the face, they don't have to eat
3: their cooking Right, right, right. So when you're when you're you were at the Fed, what, was that ever a discussion? How is the low interest rates going to affect the average American? How are printing oh, of money? Of course, it was a discussion. It was an argument. It was a knockdown, dragout.
4: It was a smackdown, and I was in the middle of it, um, but obviously in the teensy minority. Um, you know, there's a little bit of history and you know, about the 2007 Jackson Hole meeting where Bernanke convened a small enclave of his closest, um, of, of his closest people. So this was not a, an official FOMC meeting. And it was at that meeting, behind closed doors, that the Bernanke Doctrine was born. And in order to execute the Bernanke Doctrine, they had to go in a certain order. And the order involved, first, getting to the zero bound, and second, launching quantitative easing. Again, this is before Bear Stearns blew up that they decided that this was the path, even though as they were taking interest rates to the zero bound in 2008, it was patently apparent that they were using the wrong tool to unclog the pipes of the credit system. And yet they still chose to go forward with that path and throw grandma and grandpa under the train.
3: So the Bernanke Doctrine
4: was quantitative easing? The Bernanke Doctrine involved first getting to the zero bound and second blowing up the balance sheet, I paraphrase.
2: Any comments there, Mr. Griffin?
0: I'm very impressed by this analysis because most people, uh, most analysts and journalists don't really understand anything about the the theories behind these mechanisms. And um, so it's a delight to hear somebody that really knows what they're talking about. And I I always learn from people like that. Um, And so I'm delighted. But you asked me my opinion and my thoughts. What was racing through my mind is that there are some fundamental issues here that seldom get challenged or even questioned. And the most fundamental issue is that what the heck are people doing with the power to control the money supply? What is the idea that human beings on a committee or even as an as a imperial uh, leader of some kind should be able to wave their hand or click their fingers and all of a sudden interest rates go up or interest rates go down? Whatever happened to the laws of uh, supply and demand? Whatever happened with getting humans out of this uh, formula and let the natural laws take over, and whenever we assume that it is the not only the proper thing but the feasible thing for humans to regulate money supply, interest rates, and from there you go on down the list. You could regulate speech and travel and pattern and employment and education, everything else, because it's all good for the greater good. You know, you give people the power to use coercion on these fundamental issues, and there's no way you're going to solve the problems. You just create problems as you go. So I, my thought on all this is that nobody ever questions the basic idea that the Fed or any other banking group has or should have, the power to regulate the money supply and interest. They just want to talk about, well, what is the best policy that they should follow?
3: Great great point, because, Danielle, you also yep. say let nature take its course.
4: Absolutely. Look, there, there, is, there is the Bible which Mr. Griffin wrote. And then there's uh-huh. the, the, the sequel, which is The Lords of Finance. And that was a, a fantastic read. If your listeners have, have never read the book, buy it, read it, memorize it. The Lords of Finance. I the have Lords that book. Finance. I've been
2: sleeping on it. I haven't got through it yet, though.
4: <laughs> uh, but it, it basically tells the tale of a time in history when central bankers rose to power that was greater than the world's politicians, that eventually drove the world into the Great Depression because of everything that Ed just described.
2: And that it was, was this, the, that was, was the
4: supposed infallibility, the the assumed omnipotence, and they know best. And it drove it drove the world economy off a cliff, and it it ended up in World War II.
2: Once again, Barbara Kelsaca, the Rich Dairy Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Our guest today IG. G. Edward Griffin, is author of *The Creature from Jekyll allen Please read that book, A Second Look at the Federal Reserve, released in 1994. And Danielle DiMartino Booth, she's the president of at Money Strong, and she's a former senior financial analyst at the Federal Reserve of Dallas. And her book coming out in February 2017 is Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. And that's exactly what Ed Griffin was saying back in 1994. One question for to the both of you. Muhammad El-Aryan, you know, he calls it in his book The Only Game in Town, The Only Show in Town, something like that. It's a good book. But he writes about we're at the T-junction. And he, he's basically talking about the central banks of the world are out of it. This is it. Or is this another scam or another sham? Because that's what Ed said in The Creature from Jekyll Island, is bailout is the name of the game. You know, that that's what they did with the savings and loans, with Silverado and all those other guys. Are we setting ourselves up for another Fed bailout this time of world time? Or I mean, what's really going on?
4: You know, I'll jump in here, and I would just offer to you that it's going to be a lot less cut and dry this next time around because of where the damage continues to emanate from the prior financial crisis, i.e. the European banks.
2: It's getting worse is what you're saying, cleaned right? Up
4: to near the same extent as ours have, but we've become, a, we've become the central bank of central banks. We control all monetary policy for all other central bankers in the world, and it's put us in a very precarious position on the global stage, I would offer.
2: So would you say that with El correctness, you know, he says we're, they're out of bullets. I mean, what does that? Oh, mean? Oh,
4: absolutely. It, that that's patently apparent, and 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 in in, in 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 the sheer amount of confusion that uh, if you listen to the Fed speakers, that, that one contradicts the other. She's got complete mutiny on on, on, on her committee right now.
2: Janet it's Yellen, with the
4: doves
3: and the hawks.
2: Janet Yellen, you mean?
3: Yes. And, and and Daniel, are there any checks and balances on the Fed? I mean, there's all this talk about the Fed should be audited. Is is no. there any any? They can do whatever. They're just wild west. They can do whatever they want.
4: They're wild west until until Congress gets off its duff, which uh, last I checked hasn't happened for the past eight years. I'm, I'm not making a political statement, but I don't think we would have Obamacare today if it wasn't for the Fed.
5: Really? I don't think Why? We would have Why? had
4: 99 weeks of unemployment insurance extended and re-extended and re. You have to have. You have to have a banker who's willing to go along and finance you, regardless if you're running a company or if you're running the
3: United States. So why was Obamacare – why is the Fed part of Obamacare? they care? part of Obamacare. Why do they they're care, Obama, why do they they care about that? The,
4: the, the, in fiscal year 2015, in the last fiscal year, uh, the, the U.S. government paid interest expense of 1.8%. Ed,
2: what do you want to say?
0: Well, I'm I'm just uh, in awe of the excellent analysis. It's one of the themes in in my book that most of the the great uh, travesties of our recent memory in the last hundred years uh, probably wouldn't have happened without the Fed or something comparable to it, because uh, these things cost money. It takes money. And if if you're a government operating on taxes, uh, you have to collect that money from taxes. Uh, And and once the tax rate gets to uh, poking around 40 percent or higher, you've got real uh, taxpayer mutiny on your hands, and governments tend to get toppled at that point. But if you don't have to collect it through taxes, if you just collect it through inflation by just creating it out of thin air and pushing it into the economy in some kind of a mysterious fashion uh, that they do through the banks in in the form of loans and credit— well, then you can you can go over to 45 percent, 50, 60, 80, 90, 95 percent, 100 percent. You don't even need to charge any taxes at all to fund the most outrageous programs. And the people are staggering around in a stupor not knowing what happened to them. How are they paying for Ed all this? That is has just painted a picture of the future.
2: And again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show at your time and your schedule. Rich Dad Radio app available at the App Store. And all of our uh, broadcasts are archived at richdadradio.com because we believe in repetition is how you learn. And this is one program. If you're going to learn about the mysterious Fed and the central banking system of the world, this is one program you and your friends should listen to two or three times and discuss. And you will see things, understand things, the average person does not understand.
3: And uh, our two guests are fantastic experts on this subject. And I have to say about uh, Danielle DiMartino, who is coming out with the book Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America, who worked inside the Fed. And she actually says that the Fed policy, this is interesting, the Fed policy created unaffordable housing, rampant corporate financial engineering, stagnant wages, an exodus from the labor force, and skyrocketing student debt. So I just have to start with Danielle.
2: What's wrong with that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> they, the they the Fed is responsible things. for but, that. You, but you have to be able to connect the
4: dots to understand how they did it. So can you give it a,
3: give it to us in a in a Sure. Brief? Uh, look, th-
4: there, there was a time that that many Americans were encouraged encouraged to use their homes as ATM machines. Yes. That's long history. It's 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 under the it's, it's under the bridge at this point. I get that. But that era led to a lot of baby boomers taking equity out of their homes to send Janie and Johnny to college. And the fact that they had a different form of disposable income that they hadn't had in prior generations prior to the the, the mortgage spigot, liquidity spigot opening up, it it allowed institutions of higher learning to go on this, rampant inflation rampage, as I describe it, and tuition started going through the roof because the money was there to allow them to do it. And after the crisis came, and obviously, actually, home equity is picking up now, um, but after the crisis came and went, there was nothing that the millennials could do but turn to student loans.
2: Okay, our other guest is G. Edward Griffin. Again, he's the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island. Please read that book. Ed, what do you have to say about what Danielle said? And let's get back to what mom and pop can do because student loan debt is now bigger than credit card debt. And
4: I will jump in and tell you that a lot of baby boomers have co-signed on these loans. This I is not yes. That. Yes. that is only in the hands of the younger people in this country. A lot of it is held by the parents.
2: And yep. a lot of the, the same people that brought you the subprime mortgage crash brings you student loans also. Yes, sir. Uh, they're the same people. So, Ed, what do you want to say? I mean, defend well, those guys. I, yes.
0: <laughs> Giving me a, a moment to think about it because uh, there's so much, so much going on in that issue, and I I get the feeling that uh, sometimes we we look at an issue uh, as though we just snapped a picture of it, and so we just look at its status now, and yet we might think about the previous uh, uh, rendition of it, but we don't think too much about where it's headed, and that's why you raised the question: What can we do about it? The reason I, I say that is sort of a platform for my observation that everything is in motion. Nothing is static, really. And But all that motion is in the same direction. And that same direction is that the debt is building. The debt is building. The debt is really building. And it becomes increasingly obvious that the debt cannot be paid back and will not be paid back. So what does that mean? Where does it go? It goes to the point where whether it's student debt or Obamacare or
2: Social or Security or, or Medicare. Or whatever
0: it is, it cannot be paid off. So the debt will go to rise and continue and continue. And finally, at the end of that path is when all debt becomes absorbed as a financial obligation of the citizenry. And there there probably won't even be taxes anymore. There'll just be re-administration of, um, of units of uh, compensation. You can take your your little chip down to the grocery store and you'll get so many units for a grocery bag full of stuff. And the money will be gone as we know it. That's wow. where it's headed, I think.
3: Wow. wow. And you know there's a lot of talk of end the Fed, end the Fed. Um, do either of you think there's any possibility that the Fed is gonna go away anytime soon? I
4: well, don't think uh, the Fed like should go away.
0: Soon not it's not gonna go away anytime soon. But and I think if we have to be realistic, this Fed is the most powerful creature probably that's ever existed in the history of uh, politics.
4: Well, it's as powerful as it was when Ben Strong was running it, and that's saying something. And, and Danielle,
3: you said you don't think it should go away?
4: No, I don't think – look, I don't don't think that the the global financial system is something you can put into complete and total reverse. So I think it's a sophisticated beast that must be regulated. Um, But I think that the Fed, I I like to say, needs to be completely upended. That the way the Fed, that, 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 that how the Fed has devolved into this circle of academics needs to be corrected and corrected immediately. Um, the, the way that the power base has become concentrated in New York and in Washington, D.C. California is the largest economy in the nation. Texas is the second largest economy in the nation. Rather than try and take away the district's power, I think that each district should be given a permanent vote and more power, and that we should have fewer PhDs and more lay people who are on the receiving end of Fed policy have a hand in making it. Well,
2: well, well. Till then, what, when that happens, but what does mom and pop do? I mean, what do? What would you say? Like, right now, let's say I, I'm going to retire in five years, and everything is going to hell in the handbasket. What action could, let's say, a 60-year-old take today?
4: look i'll be honest with you my mom who's turning 70 in november um and i quite scary both own a big chunk of the vanguard Ginny Mae fund uh, mortgages have been um left for dead in large part uh, Ginny may's are they have the true explicit guarantee of the u.s government it's got a three something yield and i sleep at night knowing that my mother's principal's going to be preserved there are no magic, elegant bullets out there because of the overvaluation in so many of the markets that it's, it's really difficult to find places to hide. Revenue-backed municipal bonds are also uh, a, a nice investment class uh, to, to consider. I used to be in the business, but again, what we've seen in recent weeks is that when the stock market goes down, the bond market goes down with it, and that tells you that we're in very unusual times.
2: Right. And what would you say to mom and pop right now?
0: Oh, gosh. To mom and pop, I would say...
2: Um, <laughs> Pont on first down. <laughs>
0: I, I would have to say sorry about that. <laughs> I, I don't see any uh, any immediate uh, changes coming on the horizon that's going to help ma and pa, except to um, you know try to get their affairs in order, try to get into a, a less vulnerable position. Uh, it, it almost it makes me sound like a prepper, but I think we have to think in terms of some very some very devastating events coming along, right. possibly. Well, if, well, if we just say, no, that's not the popular thing to say, that makes it sound too too negative or too pessimistic, we shouldn't talk that way. I don't think we're doing anybody a service by trying to right. make it to clean Absolutely it up. Absolutely
4: not. Anymore. I mean, there is gold. There is gold. Well,
2: that's my next question to I'm you. I'm not a gold
4: bug by any stretch, but I will say that that when the going gets tough, it will be viewed as a place to hide.
2: Simple let me, ask, let me ask you this. You know, uh, it wasn't Bernanke, but Bernanke got, got the thing helicopter Ben, right? He's going to just throw money out of the window. What does your crystal ball say? Is there deflation or hyperinflation? Because that makes a difference whether you go gold or silver or what. What, what do you see, Danielle?
4: Well, I, I, I'll jump in here. I, I think that we've been in this amazing, incredible 35-year Era, if you will, where the impetus was for prices to fall, and I think that there is quite a bit of complacency around this notion. And if if it comes to the point where people lose confidence in the central banks, and it goes back to the U.S. government to put money directly into people's accounts and, and truly monetize the debt in just an outright fashion. Um, then I, I, I think you start to deal with some inflation issues that, that uh, you know, uh, half the population of the world can't even remember.
2: What do you think? Ed? I mean, is it inflation, deflation, crash, cucumbers? Well, I,
0: I, my thoughts are fairly clear on that one. The Federal Reserve is made up of banks. It, these are banks, and so the whole purpose of the Fed is to serve the banks. And um, maybe they will decide that the best way to serve the banks is to have a robust economy. But nevertheless, the main motivation is to serve the banks. So what serves the banks, inflation or deflation? And uh, the only th- the answer to that is pretty clear. It's inflation um, because the expansion of the money supply increases the inventory of money, and the sale or lending of that inventory at interest is what produces revenue for the banks. And if you constrict that um, source of revenue, which is interest, uh, the banks are not as healthy as they were. So since the banks are the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve, in my view, is it, because of its very nature, has to operate as a machine to produce inflation.
3: So, Ed, if you said that money may disappear, if we just go back to mom and pop, um, is gold a viable option in the future, do you think?
0: Well, my, I am definitely a, a gold bug, and by all means I am. But I also recognize that in the kind of a crisis uh, that we're talking about, maybe looming ahead, that political action can override completely the normal forces uh, in the marketplace. And, and the, and to so make they could
3: manipulate it. In other
0: words, gold could be declared illegal yes. by the politicians uh, and the bankers, by the way. They would say it's not illegal for banks, but illegal for people.
2: Once again, Robert of the Rich Day Radio Show. We're talking to G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, and Danielle DiMartino Booth. And Danielle was an insider at the Fed, and her book is Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America, coming out February 2017. So, Danielle, what would you say to the idea of gold and silver and all that stuff? I mean, could they compensate, confiscate it?
4: Well, that's I I have to give it to Ed for being a more forward thinker than I am, um, because I think that the first step would be making currency uh, outlawed, and I I think that we're at a, I think that we're at a more tenuous junction geopolitically and internally politically. uh, That I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that conflict would be involved. In getting from point A to point B, before you could start to compensate people's gold, right? Conflict being such as civil unrest, practical matters that, that that are of concern to me because yeah. you're you're talking about in, in, incredible events I know, uh, that is, I think would engage the public.
2: I mean, I oftentimes say we've never been here before. Would you would you agree with that? Ed, we're never been. The world has never been that. here before.
0: We've been we've been uh, on the same. Path, we've seen the same patterns, but we've never seen these things go to the extremes that they now are. They've gone to such greater proportions than ever before that I think it's fair to say that it's almost a different uh, a, a, a different thing.
2: Right. What, what Ed is saying is that, you know, different countries have gone into these problems, but never the world entire world at the same time. That's what I'm getting at.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, because you've never, I mean, country, we're, we're, we're,
4: are, the entire financial system, the history of the world, everything's been turned on its head because of negative interest rates. Nothing makes sense. That's amazing.
2: I want to thank our guest, G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island. Fantastic book. A second look at the Federal Reserve. And his website is realityzone.com. And he has a great blog called needtoknow.news. In other words, he reports what you're not hearing. And Danielle DiMartino Booth. President of Money Strong LLC, former senior financial analyst with the Federal Reserve of Dallas, and she is the author of "Fed Up: An Insider's Take on Why the Federal Reserve Is Bad for America." So, Kim, what do you want to say about this program?
3: We scared ourselves a little bit on this program because yeah, we're going to buy
2: more gold. Than silver.
3: <laughs> well, we have so many guests, that every time we come off the show, we're like, we're going to get more. We got to get more gold. How's how you get, get, get risk? Well, we
2: scared ourselves every day we <laughs> do <through> this show. <laughs>
3: But I thought it was really fascinating when we were talking about gold and Danielle says, well, I think they'll outlaw currency before they outlaw gold, Whatever, which is that fascinating. I don't know how you can do that, that would be fascinating. And she also she just touched on it too that she really felt that the it's the low interest rates that are leading us of to the course. next the next collapse.
2: They want to force you out of your savings into so called riskier investments yep. or more speculative investments. That's why interest rates are so low. And as Ed says, they're not really that low. They're just charging a fee for it, whatever that means. But anyway, this whole point is there's too much money. Can you imagine that? And people are going broke. So the stock market goes higher and higher. Home real estate prices go higher and higher.
3: And the average guy gets slaughtered.
2: Gets slaughtered. And the problem is, is that this last bailout that started in 2007 and 2008, it only made the rich richer. It only made the bankers richer. It did not reach the poor and middle class. That's the problem. So the millionaire next door is the person who has a job and has money in the stock market, you're next, you're next. When that stock market comes down, you're gonna take a bath. So that's why we have the Rich Dad Radio Show and I thank our guest, and we we'll definitely invite Danielle and Edward Griffin back on because this subject is a subject that very, very few people know and understand. And like I said, every time I listen or I talk about these things, I just run out and buy more gold. As Danielle said, there are more PhDs now in the Eccles building, which is the Fed, than ever before. They have no idea what they're doing.
3: And, you know, you said it in the very beginning of the show, Robert. You said that really what this program is about is how the banking system controls your wealth. It's It's not all the regular fundamental factors that it used to be. It's the banking system that is running the show.
2: And the Fed can print money, but it can't print gold and silver. So that's why, ladies and gentlemen, at minimum, you have a couple of million in gold. Anyway... Go to Ask Robert. You can submit your questions to Ask Robert at RichDadRadio.com. But this is a fantastic program. Once again, have family, friends, and loved ones listen to it and discuss it. There's probably no more important program because the Fed and all central banks affect the world. The f- central banks of the world are out of bullets. They don't know what well, they don't know what to do next. First question, Melissa.
5: Our first question today comes from David in Franklin, Tennessee. Favorite book: Cash Flow Quadrant. He says, since you and Kim have done very well at using debt to become wealthy, what is keeping the U.S. and other countries from doing the same? They are racked with debt. Can they use it to turn the world economy around?
2: Depends on who you talk to, but there's good debt and bad debt. The United States government has bad debt. Greece said bad debt. Like they they borrow money to pay for wars. They borrow money to pay for wars. That's why war is so profitable. Also, that's no different than a, a kid or a person using credit card to buy lunch. That's bad debt. So it's not debt that's the problem. The, the question is, can you use debt to get richer? And I always thought it was. In, I thought it was interesting that Danielle says she buys Ginny Mays, and Ginny Mays are basically some government finance thing again. And she's happy to get three percent. See, when Kim and I use debt, we can get a lot higher percentage, but you have to know what you're doing. So it's not debt's the problem, it's the person using the debt.
3: And, you know, it's it's what you spend your money on. And we've had Richard Duncan, economist Richard Duncan, on the program many times. And he said for – let's just talk the U.S. This is the world, but let's just talk the U.S. for the U.S. – they should be spending more money, he says. But the question is, what are they spending on? They should be spending on things that grow this economy, not just, as you say, Robert Warren and, and consumption, which is what that debt is made up and of. And
2: entitlement programs like Hillary exactly. wants now, Hillary now wants to tax the rich. I'm not a Republican, a Democrat, but she wants to raise inheritance tax what was, to 65 percent. And Trump is saying drop it to zero. Now, obviously, I know who they're talking to. If you have money to inherit, of course, you're going to vote for Trump and you got no money, you're gonna fall for Hillary. It's that simple. It is. Next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Aaron in Los Angeles. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If the U.S. falls into negative interest rates and we are able to borrow for practically free or even be paid to borrow money, should we take the risk of trying to create yield in such a dangerous investment landscape?
2: Well, it depends on who the investor is. Is it real estate, is it gold, is it silver? Nothing to do with that is how smart are you? So like Kim and I love debt. You know, we love, the reason we have our advisors like Tom, we right? When I, when Kim and I invest in oil, let's say we invest 100000 in oil, we get 85000 back day one. That's an 85% return day one. So I would borrow money all day long to get an 85% return. But if you don't know how to do that, don't do that.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you can borrow money all day long at zero interest rate, but if you don't know what you're doing, you could lose a lot of money as well. You can lose money in property. You can lose money in business. You can lose money in the stock market if you don't know what you're doing. That's why the Rich Dad Radio Show is all about getting educated, and so you can take advantage when interest rates are at zero and know what to do and how to make money.
2: And the Rich Dad Company doesn't sell that stuff, but we we do sell financial education. We have financial coaching.
3: It's no different than somebody saying, Oh, real estate in Detroit's really cheap. Should I buy there? Well, it's really cheap, but do you know? For a reason. Yes, for a reason. And do you know how to turn it around and make money out of that? I I don't. And the (laughs) trouble with real estate
2: is management intensive. So that's why Danielle DiMartino is smarter because she and her mother invest in paper assets. Right. Jenny made bonds. If you're not good at, you're not an entrepreneur, Jenny made bonds are perfect, okay? But I wouldn't touch them. Next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Samuel in Melbourne, Australia.
2: Melbourne, I love Melbourne. love Melbourne, we're just there.
5: I love Australia. Favorite book, Rich Dad Guide to Investing. It says, if the markets crash and currency becomes worthless, would that make Forex trading worthless simultaneously?
2: Well, Forex is called foreign exchange. That's where the word comes from. And that occurred after 1971 when the dollar came off the gold standard. So suddenly people started playing games with money. So foreign exchange is very important. And and it's one of the toughest subjects I've ever had to study. I studied for foreign exchange for about a year in Melbourne with an American guy, and it just hurt my brain because it's fast. It, it's so fast. <laughs> but it's, it's not only that. It it really depends upon trade. So let's say everybody wants to buy Australian products, they have to buy they have to buy Aussie dollars, and that makes the Aussie dollar go up. But let's say nobody wants to buy Aussie products and nobody buys the Aussie dollar, then Aussie dollars go down. So it it was so much more complex than I ever wanted to get into, because then I had to sit and watch it every single day. Plus they manipulate, plus they play games with it, plus they're doing it on futures. And I said, I think I'll just buy gold and silver. That was my answer, because gold and silver are, in my opinion, real money. They're still manipulated in the futures markets, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have gold and silver than for FX.
3: And you might want to, you may want to listen to this show again because, as uh, Danielle said, that they they would outlaw money before they outlawed gold and silver. And Ed, Ed Griffin talked about that money is basically, in his opinion, in the future going to disappear. We're not going to have currency anymore. That's going to disappear. So it is. The rules have all changed dramatically.
2: Yes, I don't know what Ed's talking about, but we'll have him on the program. Ask him that next time. Well, my, look, my it, point of view here is this: What's valuable? You know, if I had a chicken and you're starving, you'd pay all the all the money in the world for that chicken. Now that chicken lays an egg, it's even more valuable. Okay, you know what I mean? So it really comes down to what's real. And that's what I would think about. Gold and silver, not ETFs, not paper gold and not paper silver, silver ETFs. That they're not real in my opinion. I want the real stuff.
3: So go buy a chicken. Chickens—you can invest in chickens because people are going to need to eat, and they're going to need eggs. That actually makes a lot more sense than paper money right now. I would go well, buy a chicken.
2: That, this guy he got some—he got like two dozen chickens from his grandmother years ago, and now he ships ten million eggs a day. He's a little rich. You can get a lot of money shipping eggs every single and day. And our
3: neighbors in Hawaii have chicken coops now set up, yeah. and they're raising chickens. They're raising chickens.
2: <laughs> so I know you can make money, but you know you can, you can eat, eat. A chicken. But just don't eat them before they lay the egg. So once again, I want to thank you all for listening. Again, for Kim and I, every time we do these programs, you know, we run out, we contact our friend Jerry Williams, American Precious Metals here in Phoenix, and we load up on gold and silver. So even though we don't consider gold and silver an investment, I do consider an insurance policy against those idiots. I mean, do you realize there's more PhDs working for the Federal Reserve Bank at any other organization in the world. And look at how screwed up they made the world economy. This is a story of rich dead, poor dead. Don't trust people with high degrees. They're not the brightest guys on earth. You know, they're not that smart. They think they are, and that's the problem. Any comments? No,
3: I also like that one of the things Danielle said about how to fix the Fed is to bring in outsiders, which is happening all over the world in the political arenas these days. People want outsiders, they don't want the politicians.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring